Welcome to The Mindful Apprentice, brought to you by Swindon and Wiltshire Institute of Technology. In this podcast series, we want to share stories and information to help everyone make the apprenticeship a success, whether you're an employer or the apprentice. We've interviewed a wide range of apprentices, employers, specialists, charities and clinicians to make this series. Wherever you're listening, we hope you'll find it helpful. Hello, I'm Dominic Arkwright. This programme's a little different. We asked a few apprentices what they wished they'd known before they started. We then put those questions to Sam Bishop, a performance psychologist who has his own company, Sam Bishop Coaching and Development, and also works with Gen Healthy Minds, which creates programmes specifically designed to help apprentices, graduates and young people. Here goes. Question 1. What advice do you have for apprentices who are coming straight from school or college? The context has changed. This is no longer the school environment, so maybe some of the more jovial, more relaxed behaviours that they potentially would have gotten away with or were acceptable in a, in a schooling or education environment are now very different to the professional workplace environment. So being very honest and direct with them and, and helping them shape that mindset of perspective and helping them maybe graduate or mature in that perspective around what's expected of them. Um, and then at the same time, thinking about what was working well for you in that setting. So how were you performing well or getting the best out of yourself when you were in the school setting or educational settings? And how can we bring some of those into this environment too? So, so thinking about their strengths and what can be replicated and what can be built upon. But also at the same time, maybe recognizing areas of development, things that they need to work on or grow as new techniques or or new approaches. Now they're in this new, maybe higher level um, of work environment compared to what would have been expected of, of them in school. But don't feel like you have to completely reinvent yourself. There may have been some really good things you were doing. So how can we do more of that? And then also, if you recognize there are gaps or there are things that maybe you don't yet know or haven't yet developed, have that awareness. And now let's think together creatively about how we can equip you and give you that tool or technique that's going to help fill that gap in your way of presenting yourself or being the best version of yourself. Question two, what help can apprentices expect from their employer and their training provider before the apprenticeship starts? So are the educational environments, are the employers and are the apprentices aligned and working together in preparation for before the apprenticeship even starts to give the apprentice the information that they need, the details that they need. There have been times, and it's sad to say this, but there have been times where I've worked with groups of apprentices that are maybe eight to 10 weeks into their program and they feel very frustrated because they feel like they weren't giving enough detail or they haven't been set clear expectations or they feel like things have been a little bit disorganized as they've approached or entered their apprenticeship program. And that can lead to feelings of frustration disappointment and that will be working against them getting the best out of themselves because rather than really setting themselves up for success attacking their apprenticeship with high levels of energy and optimism and enjoyment sometimes what we can see is that if that pre-work isn't done by all three of them then actually what can happen is those early stages of the apprenticeship journey can become quite quite negative or, or low feelings of disappointment question three What's your advice for apprentices who are worried about failing or not being up to it? I think it's important that we name that and that we're aware of that and we don't hide away from the fact that there will be fears and anxieties, potentially around performance and, for example, around failure. Um, But I think it's about, again, encouraging the apprentice to think about what they need 
to be able to allow this opportunity, this apprenticeship journey to be a success for them. That would be my, my way of working with the apprenticeship groups is to get them to reframe their focus. And so, yes, it's okay at times to fear failure. And yes, that might be useful to help make sure you stay focused and productive on what you need to do to achieve or, or feel like you've reached a level of success. But if we over-focus on the fears of failure, then that at times can become an inhibitor to us and actually lead us down to a pathway of underperformance. So whilst I encourage them to recognize those fears, let's also think about maybe the opposite side of that, which is about how we can get the best out of you or what you need from yourself, what you need from the employer and what you need from the educational institution to be able to set you up in a way that means you can be the best version of yourself right now so that failure doesn't become an option or something that becomes a reality. Question four, what should apprentices do if they don't like their apprenticeship? It could be that they speak to their employer. It could be that they speak to the educational institution. It could be that they speak to a family member, friend, but just get speaking to somebody as a first step. And then I would encourage them to think about what options they have available to them. Is it about maybe speaking to the employer and thinking about taking a different direction or maybe moving across to a different apprenticeship journey? Or actually, are they naming and becoming aware in that moment that actually an apprenticeship for them at this point in time isn't the right pathway for them and they need to leave and explore other options. I think it's really important that we start with an honesty and an awareness and then we think openly, Rosie, about the options that are available to them um, rather than them continuing to just dig themselves deeper into an apprenticeship journey that they know isn't right for them or one that they're definitely not enjoying. Question five. What should apprentices do if they feel lonely or isolated? I would encourage them to, to work against that isolation by starting to build up more connections. They don't necessarily have to make friends or be best friends with their colleagues on the apprenticeship journey or colleagues within the workplace. And I think that is sometimes what happens at schooling education or college education. People fall into the trap of only really hanging out with friends or people that they really, really like. I, I don't know if that's possible all of the time in the workplace or when people are on their apprenticeship journeys. I don't know if you're, you're going to happen to be in an employment environment whereby there's really good friends around you. So it might be, again, about setting the expectation that it's about being friendly with people and starting to develop connections. And it could be that you do that by finding mutual ground or shared ground um, around the professional environment. So aspects of the work that you enjoy or maybe some of the struggles that you're facing. And um, But also I would encourage them to think, if appropriate, about maybe personal aspects of life that maybe they share. So whether that be hobbies, interests, things that they like to do away from the work environment. And, and maybe sometimes people in apprenticeship programs will say to me, but Sam, they're not my sort of people or they're not my type of people. And again, I would go back with that expectation. Well, maybe they're not going to become your best friends for life, but maybe you could be friendly with them and develop a relationship and, and use common ground in the workplace or, or common ground in personal life to try and build those connections. They might have different levels of relationship or different levels of connections. And that might be, for example, in a team of, say, eight, two or three of their team, they really, really like. They've got lots of common ground and they can be really friendly with. There might be two or three members of the team that maybe it's quite a professional relationship whereby they only really connect over the, the projects or the tasks that they're completing. And then maybe two or three members of that team that they're never really going to get on with very well, that maybe at times it can be a little bit challenging to even communicate with them because they're such different characters or they're in such a different place in their lives. But you can still be professional 
And so maybe then it's about thinking about being professional in your communication and having a professional relationship with them. Even if they stay tricky or challenging, stay professional, stay very clear in your communication, but lower the expectation of connection or friendship that you're going to get out of that. Because as you say, tricky people lie in our lives in all aspects, don't they? Question six. How can apprentices manage the demands of both the job and the studying? The first step is to be aware that that's going to be a challenge and therefore get them to think about how they prepare for that. Get them to think about how best to structure their time. So some of the apprentices will describe a shock at not recognising that that was going to be a challenge. So again, we need to embed that into their thinking very early on so they're aware of it. And, And then get them to think about whether they want to be somebody who, for example, does a small amount of time or energy each day on their coursework or on the assessments that need to be completed as part of their apprenticeship program. Or if actually they would be somebody who prefer to time block maybe a longer period of time. For example, some apprentices that I've worked with recently time block a Saturday morning. So they'll work Monday through to Friday. They won't put any expectation on themselves to do any coursework in the evenings. They actually prefer to do things to boost their physical well-being or to look after their emotional and mental well-being in the evenings. So they do those things Monday through to Friday, but then a Saturday morning is when they dedicate a focused and productive time to focus on their coursework. But it's really about making sure they recognize the need for balance. There needs to be a balance in time, focus, and energy to make sure the coursework is completed and therefore prevents the mad rush of time and energy if they leave the coursework too late and therefore they're trying to pull all-nighters before the deadlines. That's the thing we're trying to avoid. And so there needs to be some level of preparation ahead of that to make sure the balance is in place. Question seven. What are the signs that somebody might be struggling with their mental health? That's probably going to be different for everybody. So everybody's going to be unique, but there are some some generalized signs and symptoms that we can probably look out for. One of the things that I would encourage people to look out for when it's maybe somebody that they're concerned about being stressed or overwhelmed uh, will be things like their their sleep. Is their sleep affected? So you may notice that their energy levels are slightly lower when they're in the workplace. That might be an indicator that they are not sleeping as well, and they may be a little bit more fatigued. One of the other things that you might notice when somebody's maybe in a position of stress or overwhelm um, could actually be just their their physical well-being. So they may be somebody that regularly would go to the gym and would be having nutritious lunches and would be regularly talking about walking or doing doing some exercise outside of the workplace. You, you might notice that those conversations stop or that their nutrition drops or something about their sort of daily well-being habits, whether it's drinking more Bags of coffee or caffeine drinks, for example, there will be telltale signs that you can pick up on, whether that be just their general energy, maybe being lower, maybe their mood being lower, emotionally, maybe they're less upbeat or less positive. So if you are starting to notice a couple of signs and symptoms uh, of maybe the person being stressed or overwhelmed, I would encourage you to be curious and just ask if they're okay or if they need additional support rather than making a judgment. Because although we can we can suggest that those are the signs and symptoms, actually those signs might be present for a different factor or a different reason. But those would be some of the ones that I would identify, Rosie, for people to watch out for. Question eight. It's difficult for anyone to speak about problems of poor mental health. What's your advice? Maybe it feels uncomfortable to acknowledge this or speak about it. Um, but I would encourage them to think maybe about somebody that they trust 
And although they know it's going to potentially still be quite uncomfortable to do this, I I don't know if it's ever truly comfortable or an easy thing to do. I'm not saying that it is. Um, but therefore, if it's if it's going to be difficult to do this, try to think about somebody that maybe they like or that they trust that they feel they can start to have that conversation with. And um, and again, I, and I think that helps in the process. I don't think it makes it fully comfortable. I don't think it makes it easy to do. But my fear would be that they they allow that that blocker of feeling uncomfortable to talk to somebody to hold them back from saying anything at all, and then them continuing for many more weeks and many more month, months in an apprenticeship journey that actually is then going to have really negative impacts on their well being, physical health and well being. I'd much prefer them to face the fear of speaking to somebody and it being uncomfortable for maybe a few minutes in that moment than many many weeks and many many months of continuing on their journey. And that having much more of a negative impact. So top tip from my perspective would be to speak to somebody that they trust, that they know or that they like, rather than not saying anything at all. Question nine. Should people talk to their employer about problems they may be having? This is probably not the first time that that employer or that manager or that leader has had a conversation with an apprentice that's feeling this way. And again, I think that can sometimes hold us back is that we feel like we're the first or that we're very unusual or that we're highly different. Whereas I would predict and, and probably heavily presume, rightly or wrongly, that they would have had multiple conversations with apprentices that were feeling this way in previous years. So they're probably well equipped and hopefully uh, prepared for that style of conversation. So again, I would encourage them to take that perspective and encourage them to speak about it because it probably won't be the first time that they've had that conversation with an apprentice in their in their careers too. Sam Bishop from Gen Healthy Minds answering those questions. Until next time, I'm Dominic Arkwright. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to this edition of The Mindful Apprentice. We hope you found something in it which was helpful to you or perhaps a colleague or friend, whether you're a new starter or a seasoned professional. If you've been affected by anything you've heard in the podcast or want to find out more about organisations which can provide help and support, go to sawiot.ac.uk forward slash The Mindful Apprentice.